I'm Denise Wallach-Peterson, founder of the Menopause Project and creator of the Use Your Cycle Method. I've been a personal trainer for the last two decades to hundreds of women, helping them through hormonal disruption, perimenopause, and menopause, coming out on the other side, celebrating their strength, their health, and their wisdom. Because menopause doesn't have to suck. In Meno Minis, we'll be discussing everything from sleep, sex, and weight loss to how to support and use your hormonal cycle to live a more vibrant life in the flow, even post-menopause. Welcome to today's Meno Mini. Hey, how's everybody doing today? Denise Wellick-Peterson, Meno Minis. Um, here to chat today, nutrition part number two. Today, so, okay, first and foremost, if you have not listened to nutrition part one, the weight loss without deprivation, go back and listen to it before you listen to this one, okay? Because, first, because today we're going to talk about eliminating certain, certain things that will help you on your weight loss journey. But if you start here with eliminating the things without replacing them or without adding things first so that you're not hungry, this is 100% not sustainable, right? But it is sustainable if you start with part one. If you start with what can I add into my meals for weight loss and then what am I replacing, right? What things can I take out now that I have added these things back in? right? So if you have not listened to part one, go back and listen to part one before you listen to part two. Thank you. All right. So today we're going to talk about more nutrition for women over 40, uh, weight loss specific though. Okay. So I'm going to assume you have done part one. You have added the protein, the veggies, the fiber, the water. You've added those things, right? And this is how I approach food with all of my one-on-one clients. Before we talk about what you need to quit, we need to talk about what you need to add. I need you to be focusing on what you can eat, not all the things you cannot eat. Because basic psychology tells us that the things we focus on get bigger. So if we focus on adding a serving of vegetables at every single meal, now we're, all, we're thinking about, well, how do I wanna make my vegetables today? How do I want to add my vegetables in today? Am I going to make it as part of a stir fry? Am I having a big old salad? Am I, right? Like, how can I add the salad instead of, I can't have sugar, I can't have my candy bar, I can't have my candy bar, I can't have my candy bar, I can't have my candy bar. And it becomes this mantra all throughout our day. I can't have a candy bar, I can't have a candy bar. And finally you just crack because you want that candy bar so bad because all you've been thinking about is a candy bar. Now, if you've read my story online, you know that I was a Mountain Dew and Twix bar at 3 p.m. every day, right? I know the pain of a candy bar. This is why we add things first. How can I add protein to breakfast? How can I add protein to my snack? How can, I can still have the candy bar, but I gotta have the protein first, right? So that's the mentality that I want you to go into this with is, I am, I'm not hungry because I am satisfying the nutritional deficiencies in my body by eating the protein, by eating the vegetables. Now, if I still want that, whatever that treat is, that's totally cool. And I've gotten the stuff that my body does need, right? So 
if you started with the whole, what can I add? The protein, the veggies, the water, right? You listen to number one. You have probably discovered one that you've probably lost some weight effortlessly in the last week. And you might have also noticed that that random evening going to the refrigerator, opening it up, going to the cupboards, opening, looking, closing, opening, closing, opening, closing. You're getting your arm exercises, right? Checking out the cupboard. And just eating this and all that wasn't enough and eating that and eating. Here's the thing. When you're doing that, your body is trying to get you to eat the things it needs. Instead, maybe you're grabbing popcorn, chips, chocolate, all the all kinds of things, but not the vitamins from an apple, not the nutrients of protein, right? So it keeps saying, well, you're still hungry. I still need something. So it's still sending you cues to keep eating. Okay. This is why we focus on what can you add first. Okay. Now today I'm going into this with the thought that you maybe have to have recognized you have some, some pounds to lose. Okay. And you have started eating your protein. You've started eating your vegetables and you know that you're going to have to continue to eat your protein and your vegetables and drink your water. But now you're ready to get a little bit serious about it. What are some things that you can cut out or what are some things that you are better for you to reduce in your day to day eating to help you lose the weight? Now, first of all, I'm not one to say you cannot have a candy bar until you have lost the 30, 40, 20 pounds that you want to lose. I think you should not have two a day. I think you should not even have one every other every day. But if you really want a candy bar, go ahead and have it after having asked yourself, have I eaten my protein? Have I eaten my vegetables? Do I need a glass of water? Right? Dehydration actually is often the, the body's cues for dehydration actually are disguised and because we've suppressed them for so long, they come through as hunger. So another tip I give my clients, if you think you are hungry, go have a big glass of water, like 16 ounces or more and wait 15 minutes. If you are still hungry, have some protein, have two to four ounces of roast beef, chicken, turkey, whatever and wait 15 minutes. If you still gotta have that candy bar, then go ahead. But at least you're hydrated and have your protein in first, okay? Because otherwise what happens? You have the whole bag of popcorn, you have the candy bar and you're like, okay, I'm good now until, until supper time. And you don't have the protein and you don't have the water and you're still, you're still dehydrated, right? So have those things first, okay? Now, a lot of times what's actually going on or going on kind of above and beyond is that our body is inflamed. We are eating foods that inflame it. Now, inflammation, let's think about this on an external, um, you got a scratch on your arm, right? You got a big scab, right? And all around that scab, it's inflamed, it's swollen, it's red, it's hot. Okay, that is what inflammation presents on the outside of your body. You are inflamed. And if you're a picker, right, you keep picking it, you keep scratching it, you keep picking it, you keep scratching it. What happens? It becomes more and more inflamed, right? The scab doesn't go away because you keep picking it. Okay, 
So what does internal inflammation look like? It looks like we're going to use dairy. Dairy's a big allergen in my world, a big intolerance, I should say. So I like ice cream. So I have, I have ice cream. And maybe I start out, I have creamer in my coffee and I have ice cream as a snack and I have cheese before I go to bed. So I've got this, my stomach lining is a little bit inflamed. It's hot, it's red, it's swollen. And I have some creamer and it's like ripping the scab off. And it starts to heal and then I come at lunch and I have that bowl of ice cream and it's like ripping the scab off and it becomes more inflamed and hotter and it comes to supper time and I have that that three ounces of cheese or whatever and it's like ripping the scab off again and it's getting bigger and more inflamed right that's what's going on internally now for me personally externally what's going on is I get really bad dandruff I break out really bad um I might get phlegm in my throat or have a lot of mucus in my body, right? And the more frequently and the bigger and whatever, more dairy I have, the more, the more it, it, it gets, right? Like I, I've talked about before, there was a time in my life I would not wear black shirts because the dandruff was so bad. Like it just was like a cloud because I didn't know that dairy was causing this to happen. Okay. So there, today I'm going to talk about seven common allergens that most people have some intolerances to, okay? And then I'm going to talk about how you can figure out if there's something for you or just kind of see what you can do that might reduce some of the inflammation in your body. And inflammation might present as achy joints, dandruff, of course, um, swollen joints, swollen midsection. Like, have you ever eaten something and then you can't take any of your rings off? right? That's, you ate something that inflamed your body. So I mean, that might be part of why you can't fit into your clothes is because you're inflamed and you're living in a constant state of inflammation. Now, what do I mean by constant state of inflammation? It goes back to that dairy thing, right? Like I had some cream, I had some ice cream, I had some cheese, and, and each one of those times made the inflammation get bigger and stay, right? Um, a lot of times what people don't understand when they are testing for inflammatory foods is that it takes, you know, I hear, well, I took bread out yesterday, Denise, and nothing happened. Cool. Here's the deal. From mouth to out takes about four days. So if you are trying to get rid of the dairy, so today I don't have my creamer, I don't have my ice cream, I don't have my cheese. I didn't notice anything. So I go back and I have it on day number two. It wasn't all the way out, right? I mean, <clears throat> it takes four days. So for the first four days, things are just going out, right? <clears throat> it's not just about what's in your stomach and what's in your intestines. It's what's in your whole body. So it takes four days from mouth to out. So when you are eliminating and testing for a food, you have to go four full days without whatever food group you're testing. Then you can you need to live three or four days without consuming any more of it to, to start taking note. How do I feel better? Do I feel better? Was that something that even bothered me? 
right? And then you add it back in and you, anyway, that's, a, that's something for another day, right? So um, a couple of books that I believe explain this really well and talk about some really common inflammatory foods are, number one, The Virgin Diet by J.J. Virgin. Really good book. It's probably 10 years old now, but she talks in plain people speak. Like Wheat Belly was also presumably a good book. I never read it. It was too technical for me to read. I just could not get it read, right? But The Virgin Diet by J.J. Virgin, she she just says it so clearly, so plainly, so easily to understand. I highly recommend eating that book. Um, so she's got seven common inflammatory foods she talks about. She talks about gluten, soy, dairy, eggs, corn, peanuts, sugar, and then I'm going to add alcohol in there, right? So I'm going to quickly go over those. Uh, gluten. Gluten is a messed up thing that a lot of science has been applied to our crops in the last 50 years, and it's, it's messing up people's, people's bowels. It's messing up. It's causing leaky gut. It's really something you need to think about taking out of your diet. Does that mean taking it out completely? Does that mean I can still have one a day? Does that mean one a week? Or does that mean I just really need to take it out completely? And before you go, oh, I'm not, I'm not allergic to any foods. I'm not intolerant of anything. Until you have tried, until you've completely taken it out for a few weeks and really paid attention to your symptoms, I call BS. I call BS, right? Um, on my website, nowgetgoing.com backslash survey, I think is what it is. Um, I have a symptom survey. I'd highly recommend you go in and you just print it off, score it, and then check out whatever foods you are trying to see if they cause you a problem, and then score it again in two or three weeks. It was such an enlightening experience for me to do that with dairy. I'd had dairy, I'd had a glass of milk for breakfast, lunch, and dinner all my life, eating yogurt, all the healthy things. And when I took it out, my joints became uninflamed and my dandruff completely went away. I can wear black shirts now. I wish I'd been wearing a black shirt right now to like prove that point, but I'm not, right? It was amazing. Like I didn't know you could feel that good. I'd always felt like just low grade, not great. But I didn't realize I felt low grade, not great until I felt great. So it's something to consider. Next up was soy. Um, you know, we read so many places that soy is good for us. The phytoestrogens are good for us, especially as we get into perimenopause and menopause. These are Chinese women. They did these studies on. You know what happens in China? Not the same thing to their soy as we do to our soy here. Our soy here in the U.S. is so genetically modified that it's not something the body easily recognizes. I'd highly encourage you if you are going to eat soy and rely on soy, and if you read the back of your bottles and it's so soy isolate and soy this and soy whatever, all of it's soy. I'd encourage you to try taking it out. See what happens. Dairy. Again, we have given our cows so many hormones. We we generally speaking feed our cows a whole lot of corn. Why? Because it's cheaper. 
guess what cows are designed to eat? Grass. So if our cows are eating food that they're not designed to eat, then their body's not processing it the way it needs to be processed. So their output, their milk, is not what we actually need. Also, random thought of the day. Cow's milk was designed to get a baby calf, grow it over 500 pounds in a year. Do you think it's something that we were designed to eat? Just something to think about. Eggs. Another fascinating thing that I found out, right? I was eating a lot of eggs for a while. A lot of eggs. And I always had gas in the afternoon. I didn't really think about it. Like it wasn't obnoxious gas. It was just, that's a little tooty in the afternoon, right? And I was reading that JJ Virgin book I told you about. And she says something. You are what you eat ate. You are what you eat ate. So the chickens, chickens, another thing, are designed, their food of preference is bugs and seeds and stuff on the ground. But we're feeding them corn, fatten them up. Corn is another highly genetically modified food here in the US. And the chickens don't do real good on corn. I don't do real good on corn. Now, if, if all that is true, then, and I know that corn makes me 2D, and then I'm eating eggs that were laid by chickens who eat corn, right? Okay, so years ago, again, years ago, when I first came across some of this information, right? I started buying eggs from a local chicken grower, right? And I was doing great, I was like, wow, all that afternoon gas has gone away? Huh, isn't that fascinating? And then, man, it came back just kind of, huh, I haven't changed anything. What's going on? And I was picking up my next couple dozen eggs for my gal, and she was saying, yeah, um, laying season is almost over for the chickens. I've had to start mixing uh, corn in with their feed, you know, to extend the season a little bit. I was like, whoa, whoa, time out, what? How long have you been giving them corn? Oh, the last week or so. Thanks. Here's your eggs back. They don't work for me anymore. Right? So that's something else to keep into consideration, you know, when we're talking about things like dairy and eggs, right? Something had to eat something to produce the dairy and the eggs. You are what you eat ate. So if the cows are full of hormones, you're eating those hormones. If the chicken is full of corn, you're eating that corn or the byproducts of that corn, right? And that was not what we were designed for. So that would be something else I would encourage you to look into. Number five, corn. I think I just talked about that. Corn and soy are two of the most highly genetically modified foods here in the U.S. Crops in the U.S., I would highly encourage you to take corn out. Let's think about this. As my husband proves regularly, what other food can you eat? And you can tell what you ate when it comes out. If it looks the same coming out as it did going in, your body didn't digest it. It is not good for you. Just a thought. Peanuts. It's the mold that grows on the peanuts that causes the intolerances and the leaky guts. Um, so that's, you know, other foods may, other nuts may or may not be fine for you, but peanuts growing on the ground like they do, they are legumes, right? 
have awareness around that. Eggs, white corn, peanuts, dairy, corn, sugar. I know you know this. Like deep down in your heart, you know this. You know that sugar causes inflammation, right? Not just helps you gain fat, but it causes inflammation in your body. I would strongly encourage you to, to start cutting it out of your, your food intake wherever you can. Okay. This also a thought to, um, keep in the back of your head. Cause usually what happens when I say take sugar out of your, out of your diet for now, take sugar out. We still like that sweet taste. We immediately want to replace it with all of the artificial sugars. Oh, I got this sweetener. I got that sweetener. I got, oh, remember the days of sucralose? Probably closer to 20 years ago. Sucralose? Yes, sucralose. If you've ever read the studies on the sucralose, it killed all the monkeys. It killed everything. It killed everything they tested on, and yet we still believe it's good for us. Splenda. Splenda is the one we're talking about, right? Sucralose, Splenda. It is not good for you. Okay, it's, it's bleached sugar. How is bleach good for you? You're not eating bleach, it's not good for you, right? Same with aspartame, not good for you, right? These chemicals that taste sweet, in fact, taste much sweeter than sugar, so you can use so much less, da, da, da. They're, they're fulfilling your sweet tooth. They are doing a lot more damage than that. On top of all that, it has now been proven that even the taste of sweet will increase your insulin levels. Increases your blood sugar and then increases your insulin. And insulin, if you've been following me for a while and the talk of all the hormones and stuff, is gonna screw up the rest of your hormones. If your insulin is constantly going up, you are going into fat storage mode all the time. Every time you taste sweet, whether it's got calories or not, it is increasing your blood sugar, which increases your insulin, which makes you store fat faster. If you're going to try taking out the sugar, take out all of the sweeteners altogether. Don't replace sugar with a zero calorie sweetener. It is worse for you. So if that's going to be the game plan, I'll take sugar out, but I'm going to add in the yellow or the pink or the blue packets. Don't keep the sugar in. Try to reduce what you've got. Okay. Those are the things that I would highly recommend getting rid of. So what do you eat instead? Protein vegetables, fruits, yes, even fruits. Um, pro tip, fruits with more seeds in them raise your blood sugar less. So we're talking like think raspberries, blackberries, strawberries versus um, melons with no seeds in them, right? They're going to raise your blood sugar faster. So after you have done Episode one on nutrition, added the protein, the vegetables, and the, and the water. Skip here now to this second podcast on nutrition and start eliminating inflammatory foods. Okay? And maybe you're not eliminating them for the sake of seeing if they are inflammatory, but if you eliminate these foods, you will find at the very least your puffiness to go down. You'll find you retain less water. You'll find that you start losing weight a lot quicker. I did want to mention one other book that um, 
very much talks about some of these same issues. It's called The Hormone Reset Diet by Dr. Sarah Gottfried. Came out again a few years back. She talks about a 21-day detox to kind of find out where to, to reset your hormones, but it also resets your taste buds. I think it's a great book, but I do think it is hardcore. I think if you're going to read that book, you should read it for the information and start thinking about it. Um, what I have found is that yes, the 21 day reset can be effective for some people, but for other people, it merely messes with their minds, right? And then they are so perfect for 21 days that on day 22, their, their, their pendulum swings 180 degrees back and it just is counterproductive, right? But it is good information to find out why might you want to change some of your meat sources. Again, it talks about sugar, nah. talks about caffeine. Nobody likes to hear it, but you really need to read that section on caffeine. It talks about the dairy. It talks about, it also talks about external toxins, like the things we put on our skin, the things that we smell, right? Like um, candles are a big deal, right? Like some of the stuff we're burning and inhaling, not good for us. Okay, so. We will talk more about things like the hormone reset diet and a complete elimination diets on part three of this three-part nutrition series for losing weight over 40. But again, we've listened to part one. We've started implementing part one. We've now implemented part two, and we are taking a closer look at corn, dairy, peanuts, gluten, soy, eggs, sugar. Where can you reduce it? Where can you take it out? Okay, probably I should end this here, but here, let's just go on for just a second. For example, I have a protein shake for breakfast. I just, I get up and I need to go to work, right? So I have a protein shake. Um, and it's taken me eh, like gradations to get here, right? But I used to use, you know, that coffee syrup sweetener stuff, um, the flavoring syrup stuff. Um, Tarini is what I prefer, right? Salted caramel syrup in my protein shake adds a hundred calories. So if you're a calorie counter, bleh, but it's all sugar. Do I need that sugar? No. Makes it taste better in my head, right? It, it makes it taste different. It's not necessarily better because I like the shake just fine without the salted caramel syrup. Just gives me a different flavor sometimes. So I went from having it every day in my protein shake to meh, maybe every other day. And now I maybe have it once a week in my protein shake. And I know I understand what I'm doing at that time. So I make sure I add a little bit more protein shake to the protein shake. And then I still have the same amount of syrup, right? Those are the kinds of things I want you to look at. Like I'm not eliminating this whole, except for maybe corn, soy. You might want to eliminate it completely. But if you love corn, like corn is the only veg vegetable, my husband will eat and he loves it. He has heard me talk about this and he still chooses to eat it. Cool. Now you've heard the information. You Now you are making a choice. Before you might have been eating out of habit or out of like or out of just lack of information. Now you have the information and now every time you eat corn, you are making a choice because you might be causing more inflammation to your body. Okay, next week we are going to talk about elimination diets and how to figure out what things are actually causing inflammation to you. 
So stay tuned to see you next time. If you have any other questions or if you want more information, feel free to check out my book, The Use Your Cycle Method on Amazon. You can get literally exactly what I tell all my clients over there. Okay, it's called The Use Your Cycle Method. Have a fantastic day. We'll chat next time. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thanks for listening. It would mean a ton to me if you left a review or passed this podcast on to your best gal pals and hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you have any questions, be sure you join the Menopause Project on Facebook. Until next time.